0: Good morning. Some, re- some really good quotes on that, uh, that the marathon is, is really about triumph over adversity, that the distance becomes greater than the human. And this morning, uh, I want to emphasize, through the words of Paul, through the words of Scripture, that I want to remind you that the Christian life is a marathon. It is not a hundred-yard dash. I used to think that. I used to think that uh, the way I needed to perform, the way I needed to approach God, was to show God how quick and agile I could I could uh, perform these tasks so quickly. I could I could graduate as you know in in a four year degree in in two months or whatever. God, I'm ready to serve you, but the Christian life is not a sprint. You got to be much leaner and meaner. I've never run a marathon. How many of you have ever run a marathon? Okay, don't gloat over me, okay? God bless you. I don't think I'd ever run a marathon. In fact, the only time my kids see me running is when the ice cream man can't hear me. But you know what? If I ever wanted to compete in one, I'd talk to people who like them and who finish them and who probably have time and energy to spare. And the Apostle Paul is such a man. The Apostle Paul viewed his life as a marathon and he saw himself crossing the finish line well. And he actually, it's like he be jogs back after about ready to cross the line and he, and he goes back to find Timothy who is crawling on the floor and he, and he lifts him up and he has words of encouragement for him. And our text is clear that Paul is looking right at death Death in the face, and his words must have caused Timothy to really probably just had an emotional experience, maybe even tears when he first read them, and it must have reinforced to Timothy that Paul was handing the baton to him, that Paul's ministry was coming to an end, his life on earth was coming to an end, and he was putting Timothy in a place that he himself was for over 30 years Paul's words at the end of his life are not words of discouragement or a place of bitterness. They're words that have no despair. They're they're words that are full of hope, that are full of energy, that are full of life. There's no cynicism, no cliches. And his calm assurance as he looks death in the face and he's in this dark dungeon. He's writing from prison and he's writing from one of the worst prisons ever built. In fact, it wasn't even built. be a prison it was it was a cistern in Rome and it was just this huge pit and when Rome would conquer their enemies and they would be able to snatch a general they would throw the general down there and they would just let him rot away for a while then they'd take out the general and parade the general around in the streets and strangle and abuse the the general and then they would have their way and the people would cheer that was the place Paul was in this deep dark pit no windows, no toilets, no, no running water, zero. The only way to get people in or out was through a rope or a ladder. The only way to get food in or out was by dropping food and by the way, the Romans did not provide their own food for their prisoners. You had to have friends, and if you didn't have friends, you would be dying soon. And Romans, by the way, this is extra credit. How many like extra credit? <laughs> Is there any extra credit? I'd like to have 118%, please. The Romans didn't even view time of being in prison as punishment. They didn't, in Roman law, that was not considered punishment. That was just, you wait until we figure out what we're going to do with you. Paul is on the hard floor in the cold darkness. He, he's in very unsanitary conditions, and he's riding with hope and vigor and joy to Timothy. Many had turned away from the aged apostle, even from the faith, following false teachers, saying that Jesus did not come exactly in the flesh, that, that Jesus did not die, and he, he certainly didn't resurrect with a body. Many people were, were speaking things that were contrary to what he had received as the gospel. And Paul had labored 30 years plus to preach the gospel around the Roman Empire. But at this point, Christianity was just a very tiny sect. Very misunderstood. Very marginalized. It didn't look like it was going to be successful. In fact, if you take a course in, in, uh, in world religions, and if they're honest, they will be still startled by how rapid and strong Christianity was because of its unbelievable beginning the gospel was gossiped and it could not be shut up and he's looking at his cell it's dark and he's thinking about the outside and it doesn't look too great and he's not, this, he's not this huge figure that we understand him to be. I mean, back then, yes, he was well-known by the church, but he wasn't this famous apostle appearing on talk show TV, signing autographs of his latest book, having a huge Facebook following. This is a man who was completely imprisoned so many times. And he knew how to finish well. Why don't you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 1 through 8. Was that Sean Connery as Paul? That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, yeah, that might be Timothy over there. What a figure. And this is how the, the, the scripture goes. Let this be God's word as it truly is. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. He's going to judge. And in view of his appearing And his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And that be prepared has to go with preaching the word. In other words, you preach, you speak, you hold to the word, you you hand over the word in times when it seems very favorable. Have you ever had a time when people asked you, Well, tell me more about your faith? What? And you hear the angels saying, Oh, And other times, I don't want to talk to you about that. He says, be prepared in whatever season you find yourself in to share the word. And he also says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. You're going to have to correct people when they go astray. You're going to have to rebuke them and say, you don't do that. And you're going to have to encourage. But you always do it with great patience. Isn't that we, what we really want? I think if we're, if we're honest, we want people to show us, hey, I don't think you should have done that. But they have patience. They're not like hammering you just to hammer you. With great patience, careful instruction. You do it with teaching, always teaching. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a, a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And that is, my friends, human nature. We already, we read the people that we already agree with. You ever notice that? I really like that author. I really like that speaker. Yeah, that's because you already agreed with them. But he says this, people will do that all the more. They're going to listen to teachers that are speaking false things because that's what they want to hear. Don't we normally hear what we want to hear? right? We want to hear what we want to hear. That's not rocket science. Let's look at the next part. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, but you keep your head in all situations. Be sober, in other words. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. He says, do the work of an evangelist. What is an evangelist? It's someone that shares good news. That's all. It's not someone that, that hits people over the head. It's not, it's not, it, evangelism is done in so many different forms. And then he continues. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And this is the imagery of when the sacrificial lamb was placed on the altar, the priest, this is outlined in Numbers 28, the priest would pour about a quart of wine over the, the lamb. And the the lamb was going to be burnt. It was a drink, kind of a drink offering. It was symbolic that this is going to pay. This is going to uh, show you, God, that we really are praying that you pour out your blessings and that you pour out your forgiveness. I'm being poured out like that as a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Why don't you say that with me? I have fought the good fight. One, two, three. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And then he goes on, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Let's pray. Lord, if my words should stray from yours, let them be forgotten. But if my words echo and make your word clear, let them be taken to heart. Let them be like seeds in fertile soil that bring about fruit, that demonstrate your kingdom your love, and that bring people in, in relationship with you and with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to talk a little bit about finishing well. Uh, I want you to notice that in verse 6, Paul, Paul is talking about the present. He, he's saying, I am. I, I'm, th- I'm, I'm this. Verse 7, he refers to his past. I have. And in verse 8, He's talking about in the future. In the future, people will do this. They will turn away from the truth. Paul, as he finishes, hello? Paul, hello? Yes. You're persistent. Verse 6 speaks about Paul's present. I am, I have in the future. Somebody answer that. God bless you. To finish well. It's Paul calling. You got the sermon wrong, Israel. (laughs) To finish well, you need a good grasp and view of the present, you need a good grasp and view of the past, and you need a good grasp and view of the future. If you want to finish well like Paul, you have to learn, we have to learn from Paul's view of the present. And there are three keys that I want to share with you very quickly about how he viewed the present. That is the present, that is now, the time and energy and the capabilities and the abilities That you have now. I'm not talking about tomorrow, and I'm not talking about yesterday. You ever meet meet people that just live in yesterday? That's all they live in is yesterday. Yesterday this, and I did this. And and it's good to talk about yesterday, but don't live there. And it's okay to talk about tomorrow. You can't live there either. Three keys. Number one. Someone say, "Number number one. All right, you're awake. Number one, mentoring. Paul could finish well because he had poured himself into others. He says, I'm being poured out right now. My time is finishing, but what I'm doing right now, I'm pouring myself out into you, Timothy. You want to die well? You want to finish well? Don't make it about you. Mentor. In the language Paul wrote, he's saying, you preach the word because I I'm departing. You preach. You can do it, Timothy. You don't need to. And I love how he just says, Preach. He doesn't give him his points. He doesn't say, uh, Preach like me. He says, Preach. Share the word. Because I am departing. I'm going to die. I'm handing you the torch to carry. We finish well when you know that you're leaving behind a number of people who will carry on the cause of Christ because of the influence God has given you in their lives. Did you hear that? You finish well when you mentor people now, in the present. Each of us needs to ask ourselves, am I mentoring someone and am I being mentored? For years and years, my brothers and sisters, I prayed for a mentor. I prayed for a mentor. Lord, send me a mentor. I need a mentor. I've gone to Bible, Bible college. I've gone to seminary. I've taken classes. I still read. I, want to, I read very good authors. Send me a mentor. And I was expecting someone just to actually do that. They just would show up at my door. Yes, uh, the Lord has sent me. I am your mentor. And I would say, Wonderful. What took you so long? And we get in an argument over that, how late he was or she was. (laughs) You know, it didn't happen like that. I had to keep praying. I wanted someone to actually correct me, encourage me, even rebuke me with great patience. I think that's what we want. Do you want to grow? You really want to grow? I think you need a mentor. I think you need to mentor other people. My friends, Christianity will not work unless there's mentoring. Jesus called his mentees disciples. He called people to hang out with him. See, that's where we got it all wrong. It's not Sunday school. There's a place for Christian education. There's a place for for Bible study. I'm all for it. But that is not mentoring. Mentoring is slowing down your life in such a way where you're interested in someone else more than you are at at the moment of yourself. Where you actually can listen to them and be completely in awe what God is doing. I asked. I, I spoke to TD Jakes one time. Uh, you remember? You know who TD Jakes is? Some of you. Okay, I have two people in here that know who TD Jakes is. Uh, he's a preacher. I used to attend his church, and and he. I used to sell suits in Dallas out of out of college, and. He came in, and I, I waited on him, and, and he bought a lot of pairs of socks. I guess preacher goes, he goes through a lot of socks as a preacher. You got like 18 pairs of socks for me or something like that. And I was happy because I needed the money, and, and they were expensive socks, uh, praise God. But anyway, besides the socks business, I don't know why I'm talking so much about the socks. He asked me, How's, how do you think of the church? Because I used to attend the church with my wife, his church, huge church. I said, the church is great. It's like a conference every week. I said, but I need a mentor. He says, yeah, Christian life won't work unless you have a mentor. And he he said a blessing over me, and and he he prayed that uh, God would send me a mentor. And he did. God did send mentors to me, and I'm I'm still grateful for them, and I still need them. And what I want to emphasize is that you you do the work of of an evangelist, by investing into someone else, not by drive-by evangelism. You ever been you ever been uh, hit by a drive-by evangelist? <laughs> Boom! And then they, they're gone. All they want to do is just say they're two points and they're gone, or three points, or whatever. That is not what Paul had in mind when he spoke about do the work and evangelism. What he had in mind was this slow down and look at the people. And be in awe of what God is doing in their life. And celebrate that. Point it out. The second thing, the second key that Paul had, besides mentoring, was sacrifice. He could finish well because he viewed his life as an offering to God. Isn't that what we were singing in the songs before? Paul did not view his execution as a cruel tragedy or even unfair treatment. After all the years of dedicated service, he didn't say, where is my Rolex watch? Where is the retirement community? Where is it all? What is this about, God? He said, if I suffer for the gospel, I'm blessed. I want that. He saw his final sacrifice, his, 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 his life and his death as, as just that, and a, a living sacrifice poured out to God. To finish well, you need to view all of your life as a sacrificial worship to God. And then he also had a good view of the departure. His present view had in mind that he would die. The time of my departure has come. And in the Bible, in the biblical vision, death is never ceasing to exist. I want to make this very clear because other religions teach this. They just cease to exist but rather it's a separation of your soul or your spirit from your body. It's a departure. And in Christian Christian belief and teaching, your body is good. And it's gonna be resurrected. It's gonna be restored into one like Christ. And the word Paul used was a vivid one. It was used for, the word departure was used to describe the unyoking of an animal from a cart. In other words, I after all of my toils, all of the labor, Labor Day, hello, all of the work that I've ever done, I'm going to have rest now. I'm going to have rest now. At death, our personal battle is over with the pain and the disease and the work, but it's still sweet because we will enjoy wonderful fellowship with Christ and because we'll understand that we have invested in others. And he also had a view of his past. Paul was able to look back on his past in Christ and say confidently that he had done well. He is not implying that he didn't make mistakes. He's not implying that there weren't times of discouragement. You're probably here discouraged right now. Things are not going well for you. Maybe you're here this morning and your friends that you thought were friends, where are they? and the family that's supposed to support you it's all separated and it's all messed up and you read the scripture and and you're just stuck you're not getting much out of it paul says this to you if you want to give up if you're tired of your life if you're just tired paul says keep going keep going he says through it all through it all paul says i've stayed in the race I've done what God has called me to do. I have fought the good fight. I've been involved in the struggle for the cause of Christ. Paul's only aim of living was to give glory to God. That's all he wanted to do. And it's not just any fight. He said it's the good fight. It's the fight of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. What fight are you in? Some of us are just fighters. We just fight. Why are you upset about, I, I don't know, just mad all the time. I remember, I remember reading a book, and, and the author, I think he was a therapist himself, he said one time he was just angry all the time, and his wife says, you let me lo- know how long you're going to be angry. He says, wow, I have a choice. Because <laughs> I'm getting really tired of it, she said. You just let me know how long we've got to put up with you until you change your attitude. That's a good question. But you know what? It's not just any fight. It's the good fight. God wants you to live your life with purpose and passion. He wants, he wants everything from you. Get rid of this idea that God wants 10% of your money. He wants 100% of you. He wants all of you because he made all of you. And he wants to pour, your, pour joy into your life. And he wants your gifts and your time and your money and your desires to influence the world around you to bring him glory. And he really wants you to have joy. Paul says, I finished the course. He's referring to a long race. He says, I haven't dropped out of this race. I'm finishing it. I've kept the faith. And when Paul says, I've kept the faith, it means I have guarded the truth about Christ. I've guarded it. I've lived it. I'm sharing it. And then lastly, to finish well, we must keep in view Paul's view of the future. Paul could finish well in spite of dismal circumstances that he was in, the dismal looking view of how successful the church might be around the world. He could finish well because he knew he would meet the Lord who would be the judge, who is the judge of the whole world. And he could finish well because he lived in view of that day. Let me ask you a question. Christians are influenced on this day because of that day. And the question is this. Are you influenced today? Is your every day influenced by that day? Everyone will be judged. Christians will not be judged for their sins. They will be judged whether or not they were faithful and thankful For what they were given. Those who are not followers of Christ. Will be judged for their sins. Everyone will be judged. If you were to write your obituary today. Which I know probably. 99.9% of you will not do. (laughs) That's a little spooky. But if you were to do that. What would it say? What would it say? There was a, a journalist who was in charge of the obituaries and one day he didn't have enough deaths to record. And so he put a sheet of blank paper in his typewriter and wrote his name on the top and he found himself writing his own obituary and he wrote this, I've been a good husband and a fine father. I've contributed to a number of worthy causes. I have left, my repu- I have left a reputation of absolute integrity. My friends are many and then he looked at the paper and said, I, now I need to live this. Let's pray. Lord, you know our circumstances, and perhaps they're dismal. They, perhaps they don't, they don't look too good, but you're the God that knows how to change things up. You, you, you know how to turn things around. Help us to have a view of our past, present, and future. The way Paul did with hope, pouring our lives into others because that's what you do to us. Help us to mentor others. Godly women, training godly younger women. Men, reaching out to younger men. Lord, help us to train our kids in the way they should go. Teach your word be an evangelist in season and out of season. Amen.